Hi, and welcome to the KIA Podcast. We are your hosts, Cody Norsick and, and Tyler Legg, and it's October 4th. Yes, it is. Welcome to the spooky month of October, everybody. Yeah, get ready for Halloween and the horrors that are coming immediately after. And some scary politics. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, today, uh, so as you guys may have heard, mm-hmm. uh, Trump did get diagnosed with COVID following the debates. Yeah. This has led to presumably the polling lead Biden has right now. And I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think Trump's that sick because multiple sources have said he's not sick. You know what? Time will tell. Yeah, we'll find out. I can't trust any news source right now really to give me that information besides the man who has it himself. Yeah. I mean, so the reason I think the way I do is because so Trump's doctor said that he was fine and Almost like what immediately after CNN posted an article with an unnamed source claiming they was really sick and that he would go critical within the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, looking up on Google News uh, earlier today, even they said that he's his oxygen level has dropped significantly. But like I said, we'll find out how yeah. he's really doing when he talks about it. Yeah, and and like you can't trust un unnamed sources. And to yeah. be honest, I think that there's like no journalistic integrity if you're just going to take unnamed sources you, you don't have any verification if it's true or not and you're going on on your news site and posting articles with that like that's ridiculous yeah absolutely ridiculous so <laughs> based on the numbers of COVID alone though i think he's gonna be fine but it's possible he could get really sick i mean he is older yeah you know that's something we gotta like look into and it would be a total tragedy if we saw a death of a president in our generation yeah you know like our grandparents talk about kennedy you know, and how tragic that was. I can only imagine how it would be today. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people would be completely heartbroken despite the vitriol you hear from the left on a daily basis. Yeah, right. And and how messed up is it that when he got COVID uh, on Twitter, a bunch of people are saying, I hope he dies and all that. Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, you know what? These hateful people are just wrong in so many levels. You know, you never wish death on somebody. Yeah, like It's just bad luck. It's like, bad this is America. It was our decision to vote him in. So whether you love him or not, we all bleed red, white, and blue in this mm. country. And yeah. we should be unified in the fact that we don't wish death on our own people. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Even even Biden being his you know, running component, he wished him good luck. You know, yeah. He wished him well. Yeah, he, like, never, he didn't say like, oh, I hope Trump dies. You know, like that would be that would be uh, inhumane. Yeah, and even after their extremely heated debate, which we'll get to in a second. but yeah. <laughs> um, And, like, for example, look, I really don't like Biden. Politically, I hate him, but I wouldn't wish him any harm. I don't want him to get COVID. He is very old, and he seems to be fairly weak, but I, I wouldn't want him to get COVID. I, I think it would be a tragedy if he got COVID and died, regardless of how I feel about him. Yeah, I know. And And you just don't see this from the left. The left is like... We we want him. We want Trump to die. That's what the left says. Yeah, and it would be convenient if they both got it, and uh, my third party person can get a say in edgewise. But you know, ah, uh, 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 don't say that. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, uh, I'm voting Republican all the way this year. Yeah, I know but. you are, buddy. <laughs> that that is. But hey, all power to you. Yeah, that is one point of disagreement here, but. I don't know. I, I like the Libertarian Party for what's worth. I just like Trump a lot, so that's yeah. why I'm voting. You know, being Libertarian, year. you know, in a two-party society, I really lean towards whoever votes for civil liberties. You know, 
that's something that all generations should fight for civil liberties and equality. Yeah. You know? And that's, and, and you know, I, I think these days... And that's what makes me a pure centrist. <laughs> and I, I think these days, like, the, the Republican Party has a lot in common with the Libertarian Party. They're not the same. No. They have a lot of differences. But, you know, they're, they're way more similar than, like, the Democrats mm-hmm. and because either of those two. A lot of Libertarians I know who are truly centrist are pro-choice about everything. That doesn't just mean about like weapons and you know stuff like that. It means it goes to like all different aspects of pro-choice. That's where civil liberties comes in, you know. Yeah, having the right to do whatever you want. Yeah, and and you know I I've heard like a lot of these newer Republicans, like the younger ones, they're they have a lot of libertarian esque ideals. Yeah, and a I, lot of I, them do because a majority of people are in the center, you know, and they yeah. usually lean towards their personal agenda and what they want to see done in the country you know like marijuana legalization or um less gun regulations and less business regulations you know yeah i mean and me personally the reason i i'm not fully sold on like the libertarian party ideas is because i do think there's a place for like some government and libertarians sometimes they seem to take it like a little too far yeah they may seem a little uh anarchist <laughs> in the eyes of others but it's really um not so much of an anarchy just um more of a fiscal responsibility you know well yeah well like everyone should be able to well, like, pick up their own weight well, if like you're body but what i mean is like say i i do think there needs to be some regulation on like yeah. businesses like monopoly laws i think are important in this they country important. because yeah. capitalism although because i think capitalism is the best system we have it can break sometimes, and we have to protect it ourselves from that. Well, if you think about it, like um, on your bed right now, there's a tag that says "Do not remove the tag under penalty of law, except by the consumer." Do you know why? Because old mattress companies back in the day used to fill them with just garbage, you know, <laughs> like old newspapers and straw or whatever they can stuff into these things to sell them. And after that, you know, unregulated capitalism. People said, hey, look, we need some rules on some of these businesses because we can't let people get away with dirty, dirty business. Yeah. You know, and I agree with that, you know, to the extent like I don't want sawdust in my food and I don't want, yeah, you know, old, old barn straw and, in my pillows. And again, I think you know? it's extremely <laughs> important that by some regulation, we mean literally some, not a lot, you know. Yeah. Like, the left wants way more regulation than we have. They did have a lot more regulation before Trump got into office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but stuff like the FDA and, like, the DEA and stuff like that, like, I feel like it's a little too anal retentive, you know, and they need to dial it back a little bit. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think the drug laws in the U.S. at some point got a little out of control. Because I don't... The Reagan era. Yeah, <laughs> like... the war on drugs, you know, that's a thing. Exactly. That's still a thing unfortunately yeah which it seems like it's moving in the other way that's one liberal position i am willing to take though is like getting rid of drug laws i mean i think victimless crime laws that's yeah exactly like the mindset for me you know victimless crime laws if you in your own domain in your own domicile if decide you want to smoke weed and you're not harming anybody you know like you ventilate you're not like stinking out your whole building even then what's the problem with that, you know? Exactly. You know, there's like a war on the, on, you know, on the conscious mind on how people will want to live their life, 
you know? And I don't think it should be like a scary thing when you see a policeman. It should not be like an anxiety. Yeah, an interesting thing. And we'll probably end up talking about this a lot more soon, but I'm not scared of police. And a lot of people I talk to that are minorities aren't scared of police either. I think this anti-police rhetoric is making people scared of police. Well, yeah. Because you, like, um, you'll go on Facebook, Twitter... And you only see brutality videos. You see a lot of brutality videos. I mean, there's a channel called Police the Police, and they show any any um, camera footage that is merely questionable. And and it's funny because if you look at the raw data, mm-hmm. like police brutality is like so minute. Yeah, like there's like 375 there's million. Enough, there's enough footage to get exactly. people thinking. Like you if know? you if you went on every day and only saw videos of people dying in horrific car crashes, you would think that driving a car was the most scary thing on the planet. Yeah. I think it's the same exact thing. Yeah. But anyways, I, I think people like it when we talk about the debates. That's everyone's been talking about it. Dude. And it will be one the more whole world source. is talking about that that yeah. show. <laughs> Even a week later. So where where should we start with this? Well, um, let's start from the beginning. You know, first off, we had a moderator from Fox, uh, Fox News, Chris Wallace. It, yes, and it was broadcasted on CNN. So I liked the I liked the balance there. You know what yeah. I mean? So everybody had a, a, a man in. Yeah. So before we go really really deep into that. I am going to just say right off the bat, I thought the whole debate was in general a shit show. Like, whether you like Trump or hate Trump, like Biden or hate Biden, anyone who is not going to criticize Trump or not criticize Biden, in my opinion, is very biased. Yeah, Because I will criticize Trump Mm -hmm. for the things he did wrong in that debate, and I will criticize Biden. I am favored towards Trump. I think Trump made more good points than Biden did. I don't even think Biden really made a point. (laughs) <laughs> but they still both did poorly, in my opinion. You know, they could have definitely handled it a little better. To be honest, it looked like two angry old men fighting. Yeah. You know? Like this Biden like, called him a clown. Yeah, Biden called him a clown. Trump was bringing up Bo Biden to, and, to yeah. Biden, and that was making him off of his game, too. And, so, and you could tell, like, the whole demeanor changed. Because he at first, he wasn't even looking at Trump. He was just looking at the cameras and the moderator. After Trump started, like throwing little personal darts at him, then you really see Biden kind of... He went on tilt. Yeah, he was less sleepy Joe and he was more angry Joe. You know what I mean? And I I think he was trying to do that. And in my opinion, I don't think Biden has many, if any, good positions on things. And I know a lot of Trump supporters that are in my circle were were just really upset. Not necessarily at the morality of what Trump was doing, but because Trump wouldn't let Biden defeat himself. There was the one thing that Biden said that cracked me up. Where he's saying like, oh, I want to lower taxes. I want to lower taxes. The corporate tax is at 21. I want it to be at 28. And it's like, dude... You just contradicted yourself yeah. in less than five words. <laughs> he literally he literally said, if you're going to paraphrase that, and you just did practically the exact quote, yeah. but to paraphrase, he literally said, no, I think we should lower taxes by raising taxes. How does that make like that? How does that work? <laughs> it would have been different. Like I could see if he took an angle, like we're going to raise the corporate tax so we can lower wage tax, but he didn't say that. No. He didn't say that. 
So if that's where he was going, he failed his point. But I'm going to take it at face value and look at what he was saying there. And I think it would be easier for an old man to forget to uh, lower wage taxes yeah. and just raise taxes in general. And I, Yeah, and I don't know. think raising corporate tax is a good idea, especially when we've seen so many jobs come back in the last four years. Mm-hmm. And like if we start taxing them to death again, like what's going to happen? Right. <clears throat> I don't know. There's, a, there's just a big problem in America right now, and I think we need to fix it. To yeah. be honest, I think we need to get out of world affairs and kind of focus on more civil affairs. Yeah, we, we need to focus on home right now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not pro-war. I don't like war. I don't think America should be starting wars. I do think as a free country, we, we should, should try to... Yeah. Yeah. But I do think as a free country, we should try to influence things in a more peaceful way. Absolutely. Which we've been doing, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, but like... Right now, we are in such disarray with all the animosity between the two parties. Like, because I don't have any animosity for the left. I mean, I don't like them, <laughs> but I will talk to them and I'll have a discussion. But people well, call yeah. me racist we and a bigot. Want to hear out people's opinions, you know, and that's the thing. Like, we don't want to be hateful, you know. That's the bad. That's like the wrong. Yeah, being hateful go. is not the path forward. Yeah. It's the path backwards. Exactly. It's regression. It's the degradation of you discourse. You can't keep building if you keep breaking others down. Exactly. You know? And don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. It's it's the same all the way around. And you know, an- another really interesting thing. So with that debate came a resurgence of this idea that Trump's a racist. Everyone was saying it. They were tweeting it. And I just want to point out. There have been so many times in the past leading up to the debate, like right after Charlottesville, where he's condemned neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Yeah, he even, times. and during the debate, if you're going to quote him exactly, he literally said, sure, I know he was being kind of flippant with it, but he acknowledged it. And then when Trump countered and asked like, hey, how about uh, the Black Lives Matter, which he was referencing the riots yeah. and Antifa, Joe Biden completely dodged it. He dodged it. And, and he, to be fair, he did say Antifa is just an idea. Ideas don't burn cities down. Ideas don't beat people in the back of the head with baseball bats. Terrorists do. Yeah. So I think it's ridiculous that everyone's targeting Trump saying he's not going to condemn white supremacists when he has so many. Even going back. As, he's, con- he's condemned any sort of it, supremacists. And going back as far as 2000 before he was even thinking about running for president. He was vocal about his views on like supremacist groups. He never liked them. And there was never a perception in America that Trump was a racist until he ran for president. Exactly. And that's just convenient because there's a lot of things that come out about a person when they start running for office, you know, how convenient, but this is just a lie. You know, it's like one of the most blatant. It's yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, Strategic. Yeah. It's strategic. They're strategically lying to us. And exactly. then meanwhile, Biden, and to be fair, I'm going to be, I'm going to give Biden the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's a terrible guy. I don't think he actually supports violent riots or anything like that. But I think he's got this like consciousness that if he condemns Antifa, the left will be angry with him and they won't get his vote. Right. And I think it's still disturbing that he's willing to cater to radical rioting leftists. Mm hmm. And not condemn them just to get their vote. Right. And <clears throat> I understand why they're mad too, because like there's a whole bureaucracy involved with 
what they're dealing with. You know, in America, we're expected to be able to go through things speedily and readily, you know, and in the most um, affirmative way possible. And with this bureaucracy and our um, in our institutions, there's less of that, you know. Well, it's, everything goes slowly at their time, you know. Well, I'm I'm gonna be honest. So though. reform is like you know things that they're crying for, yeah. Right, is something that's always being put on the back burner because they always got problems well, now. So before we go specifically into that, mm-hmm. I, I I would like to point out I think the fact that our bureaucracy moves slow is actually a good thing because it stops radical movements from taking over before people wake up to them. Yeah. Because could you imagine if all this like we'll get to it, but like critical race theory and all this wild like race yeah. baiting and race hatred took hold and just changed our laws immediately. Right. Like there's a reason we have an elector- an electoral college. There's a reason yeah. we have the Senate. But there's a reason why we have checks and balances. Exactly. So if we did have our right to speedy trial and speedy you know action in our yeah. government. We should also have the speedy action to repeal some things that aren't right or yes. constitutional. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's really like a trial and error sort of thing. You know, if you don't try, you can't error. You can't figure out what's wrong with these ideas, but you can't figure out what's right with them. You know what I mean? And an interesting point, we were talking about it before we went on uh, recording. But uh, So we have a slightly differing opinion. I personally, I think the prison system is completely broken. You agree, right? I definitely agree that the prison system is broken. Actually, the institution is like geared to keep lower class people in the system. Yeah. You know, rather than rehabilitation and um, what's the word? Um, Integration into society. Yeah. I mean, because our prison system is founded upon retribution. Yes. Not rehabilitation exactly. and other countries that have like rehabilitation as part of their prison system have a way lower recidivism rate oh yeah they Seriously. do there's Look at, less like, um, crime violent criminals in like uh, sweden and like holland and stuff like that where they have more rehabilitative exactly instead of punishment systems yeah and people like one thing because there's like um there's a saying like in like prisons even in today's day and age like being put in the hole, being put in a solitary confinement, confinement is terrible. It's, it's total, total – it's brutality to be honest. It really it's is. It's mental brutalization. People go crazy in there. Yeah. You know? And, you, and there's these guys that get out 40 years later. They were like on death row in solitary for like decades. Mm. And they get out and they're like, I don't even know how I survived. And they write a book. They don't know how to communicate even, you know? Like – well, and some of them do get out and they're fine, but they, they write books. There's a couple people who've gotten out and they've wrote, written books well, about yeah. how they were able to keep it together for that many years. And when you read those stories or hear them, like I, I saw one on a, the Joe Rogan podcast. They were talking about one of these guys. It wasn't mm-hmm. him specifically, mm-hmm. but and it just seems like so you have to have a mind made of steel to make it through that. Yeah. And most people don't like. Well, usually when you're sent into there, you're already in an unstable state mentally, yeah. you know, whether it is you just got into a fight, you know, or you stole something from another cell or whatever you've done inside, you know, it's literally punishment within punishment, you know, it's a fourth dimension of punishment. It not only punishes your physical, but your mental as well. 
Yeah, and so we we agree mostly on prisons. Mm-hmm. You, you and I do, but yeah, there's w- one thing. One thing where I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that we differ on a little bit is I don't think our policing system is broken. I think we have some bad policies, and I do think we need some reform. Like we need them to have better training. We might want to add social workers like to the roster. Yeah, but I don't think in general policing is broken. In general, it's we need policing. You know, there's yeah. some things that need to be changed. I think everybody should be held accountable for their actions. Yeah. You know, and there's these, um, there's like, there's like these um, brotherhoods that they have where they can't rat out another policeman, even yeah. though they know they're doing something wrong. And, and it's you know, funny. They take an oath to each other as well as the law. And I don't think that's quite fair to the legal system. Well, and it's funny because... um. I, I'm on the fence about police unions, and I'll, I'll explain why. Yeah. So a lot of people think they're terrible, and a lot of people think they're great. I'm kind of in the middle because there's parts about it that Me I too. think are important. Yeah. But there's other parts about it that are totally corrupt. Right. Like, for example, there's a lot of false claims about good officers. And unions protect good officers. Right. But they also protect the bad officers. Because Well, because they take a like a um acceptance in one another yeah they rely on one another because they're all on the same team essentially yeah you know but good or bad they'll stick up for one another but we still like we need to get to a point where police because again most like the vast majority of police officers are great people yeah but we need those people they take they to, put their lives on the line to go yeah. and help people every single day but especially we, those in um less calm areas <laughs> yeah but we need those people though to call out bad policing when it happens absolutely and some it do, like they usually the bad officers get in trouble yeah but i i do think even though i again i'm just gonna restate it so i don't sound like a cop hater i like police i think they do a great job i think the majority of them are good me too but i do think we need more of a police like um uh, what is it like mindset to be like we can't let any bad policing happen i think we do right. need a little bit of a mindset change. it needs to be a psychological mindset it yeah. needs to be like um and like how we were talking about before we started um i think there needs to be like a balance in their in their ranks you know what i mean like um how we were talking about having like a social worker as well as an officer yeah sent to the scene kind of like in the same car so that there's like a aggressive and a passive balance you know yeah. if aggression is needed we could have aggression and if you know and for we need calls, a psychological help we need to, we have that too and for calls that don't sound like they're violent yeah you could send in the social worker ahead he could take charge of the call mm-hmm. and if it gets bad the officer's there it's like essentially sending in an unarmed officer quote yeah. unquote you know and it's a great idea and honestly i think that would what would help with these people if they felt they were in danger. I think they should know martial arts. Yeah. I think they should know how to defend themselves if things didn't go the way it needs to go. And I think it's really sad that the majority of the police officers in this country right now can get six months or less of training, become an officer, and they don't get regular training on any sort of grappling or fighting. Or even shooting, because yeah. I do think officers need to be good with their guns. I'm gonna be honest. Well, absolutely, that's how you, that's how you don't get um, misfires. Exactly, and um, you know how to handle your gun in all circumstances. You don't get you don't get victims with like clips unloaded into them. You know exactly. One well placed shot is enough to take somebody down. Well, 
Not entirely true with some with like nine millimeters, and even forty fives. You can shoot them in the leg. See, if they're running at you, are yeah. you gonna trust your ability to shoot them in the leg? It will, if you're trained properly, I think so. Yeah, you can. So this this might be a, a point of contention. <laughs> this could be interesting. In my opinion, if an officer is in a bad situation where they could have their life threatened, mm-hmm. I think aiming center mass is it's just the way you got to do it because it's. You're gonna, but then, like you said, a smaller round, like a nine millimeter or a thirty-eight, even is is if you're trying to take down a bigger person, it's not gonna like yeah. be as effective. That's why I'm saying is if you go for like a limb, well, their legs <laughs> are moving, their arms are moving. You're probably gonna miss. Like I just I don't see how that would be practical because in any gun training you take, yeah. they always say aim center mass because it is unrealistic. But if a person gets though. shot at though, it might slow them down if yeah. it doesn't even hit them. Well, you so. Know? Maybe a better middle ground is if we just straight up give police officers better firearm training in general, they won't be as freaked out yeah. during shootouts, during uh, situations where someone's running at them. Yeah. And well, so and that's that way, another thing where I think martial well, arts is really important yeah. because if someone's running at you with a weapon, it's, you know, it's more likely that you need a weapon well, yeah. to face them. If they're just chasing you, you know, and if you know... Um, a self-defense me- you know, mechanism you could use, you could take them down, yeah. whether you're bigger or smaller than Well, yeah, them. so, because we do you know? see a lot of cases where... There's a lot of women and, police that kick some ass, you know, yeah. like, they have, they've had, like, they've criminals... They've got jiu-jitsu. They've got jiu-jitsu, man. They've had criminals twice their size, you know, 200-pound men going after a 130-pound woman, you know, they'll flip them over, and they'll well, yeah. still... Jiu-jitsu is an amazing thing. Yes. If you know how to practice it, they're the only jujitsu, judo, wrestling, any kind of grappling where you can get the upper hand being the smaller individual gives you a major edge in a conflict like that. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be completely honest though. Even yeah. with like with the current state of police being kind of un, like very undertrained to be mm-hmm. like, and I don't even think it's necessary nor necessarily that they're undertrained in de-escalation. I mean. I, I worked as a medic for a little bit, and I learned de-escalation. I saw officers use it. I worked in some cities with high crime rates. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what areas are bad, what areas are good as far as that goes, but I'm pretty sure police at least cover that during training. Absolutely. They probably need more continual training, but if right now... As a security guard, dude. I know how it goes. Whereas a but, bouncer, even. But anyways, this, grappling helps well, in those situations. Well, anyways, though, the state of it right now, if an officer gets into a physical altercation and let's say the other guy doesn't have a gun, mm-hmm. I can't really blame them if they feel their life is threatened and the guy gets shot because they have no they don't know how to defend themselves. Right. Like if you've got this really big guy and he's going to mess this officer up, but, you know, punch him in the head and possibly take his gun, take his baton, take his taser. Yeah, that's And that's if these and if these officers had more jujitsu, that probably wouldn't happen nearly as often. No. But my my point is is I don't think it's the officer's fault. I think it's the fault of poor training. Exactly. Yeah. We can't well we can't blame the pe- the workers about it. You know what I mean? We blame the people who made the workers. And I and I'm fairly biased towards police because I worked with a lot of police in my mm-hmm. in my previous field. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, even as a bouncer, you have to call the police if someone gets rowdy at a bar. You know. Yeah. If they if you take them out of the bar and they still want to get back into the bar, you have to call the police because they're not leaving the property. 
You know, there's only so much you can do as like a security guard. You can't legit just arrest people. You can't tie them up and leave them on the sidewalk or some shit. You know, you have to call the cops. That's just it. And just a cue for uh, the radical, angry left out there. Mm -hmm. You see, Cody and I disagree on this a little bit. And we're able to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Seriously. And I think I've honestly sided on some of the left's issues. Well, yeah. I mean, so have I. Yeah. But but that's because we're regular people and we stick up for civil rights. And that's what they should be focused on instead of critical race theory and like straight up LGBTQ washing and race washing everything. Yeah. Like we we have... um. The radical left, like, let's see, let's let's just shotgun list them real quick. They're, they're trying to convince everyone that race is the most important issue. They're bringing racism back, essentially. Seriously, they're, yeah. They're, they're trying to get us to accept transitioning children before they know what they are. Right. That's that's the that's the um, decision an adult should make and for themselves. So these, these people on the far, what I would call the far left, I'm sure some of them aren't actually that Another far, thing but- even the far left does is like they... They make um, regulations even worse. You know, the smoking age used to be 18. Yeah. Now it's 21. That's right. There's a whole generation of kids who started smoking that cannot smoke anymore. So they're illegally buying shit. So. Because of you. Like. I am going to be. You're making criminals with your regulations. (laughs) That's a. Yeah, I, and that is kind of so maybe maybe the people in that case should be granted amnesty. Yeah. Like they should be allowed to do it. Because in my opinion, I'm gonna be honest. Absolutely, there in, should be a grandfather clause. Which yes. I mean there is, but no one's taking advantage of it. You know, and I'm gonna be completely honest though. In general, I detest drug laws. I I, I think they hurt um, impoverished people because a lot. Yeah. Like they get thrown in prison. They I get think worse. the meaning of adult should mean the meaning of adult. Yeah. If you are eighteen and if you can go to war, you should be able to buy cigarettes. You should be able to buy booze. You should be able to get behind a wheel of a car. Not after all of these things, you know. In a, <laughs> yeah, in a row. yeah. But like being an adult should mean something. Yeah, and I think that's a totally respectable. You should be able position. to vote. You know, any able-minded adult should be able to do what every other adult should do. There should be a line, and we need to stop stop making it so flimsy. So that's interesting, because what would you say to someone like me? Because I, I agree that there should be like a clear adult line. Yes. But I also agree with the idea to raise the smoking age to 21. I know that's kind of controversial, but I think smoking is pretty bad. I, I don't... And, I don't think cigarettes or any drug should ever be permanently illegal forever because I think that brings in cartels. Yeah. Frankly, and like dr- drug-related crimes and drugs or drug sales, but I do think that a lot of people make worse decisions when they're 18 than when they do at 21. Perhaps. I just like your thoughts on that. Perhaps. Like um but the thing is it's not like these kids are going out and buying cigarettes to party and have a good time, you know, they're buying cigarettes because maybe they started younger or like maybe yeah. it helps them focus because tobacco is well, a stimulant. Well, yeah, n- nicotine does nicotine. have some mental effects that people like there's actually a lot of comedians that only smoke before they do a show. Yeah. Like I heard Joe Rogan talking about it mm-hmm. with um, I think Bill Burr. Yeah. Bo- yeah. 
remember. Okay. And they were talking about Stephen King too, and it's also like a stimulant, and it helps him write. You know, but he smokes before he writes. But it's also extremely addictive, and and we well, know yeah. the, the reason why I'm in favor of 21 versus 18 for that. So then, are we going to make 21 well, the line for everything? See the thing. Well, there to needs, be completely adult honest, needs to mean one thing. Should we make it 20? Out of the teens, one I year late. You know, that might be better because, to be completely honest, uh, controversial opinion. I don't think people know what they're talking about when they're eighteen. Yeah, like even on policy issues, right? And like we got like the radical left wanting to lower the voting age to sixteen right now. Yeah, and terrible I'm, idea. Wait, really? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, AOC was talking about it a while ago. Yeah. Low, lower the voting age. If you're able to drive a car, you should be able to decide who runs for the, <laughs> runs for office. Yeah, and and the but the anyways, the reason why I think that 21 is more reasonable than 18 is because people are more susceptible to addiction when they're younger. Yeah. Your brain is more plastic and Not more easily that. formable to addiction. Here's what I'll, here's what I'll bend, and I will say I agree with you, is that most 18 year olds aren't as mature as 18-year-olds were 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where the laws were originally made, you know, for those kids, you know, because back in even my grandparents' days before the drinking age was pushed to 21, it was just 18, they would have like um, these half beers, right? Like before they can have full beers, you can buy like half percentage beers when you're like 18 and you can get like, you know, messed up on that and that really had like a big impact because there's a lot of drunk driving and shit when they're in their 18 to 21 years old but yeah i guess at the end of the day though i don't even really know where i sit because i don't want anyone like if we were to set the line strictly at 21 for everything i don't want to take away anyone's right to vote now like I, i don't like they have the right to vote now i don't want them to lose it here's the thing you know i'm all for having the age a little higher I actually, like when I said 20, I meant it. And here's why. Because you're out of your teens at that point, you know? I think after high school, you should be able to, you should experience life for two years without any influence of the mind. Well, colleges are indoctrinating our kids right now. I know. They, they, they teach critical race theory, which we still got to talk about. Um, they, they slip it in. It's like this. We Marx- talked about it a little bit, but we yeah. just, yeah. So, for all of you who are unfamiliar, honestly, we're not going to go super in detail with it, but just look it up. Just read about it. Like, there's a lot of really good speakers on it that James Lindsay does a lot with critical race theory. But the skinny is, it takes all of these issues, like everything, and turns the main issue of society into race. So, where we as a country... We're, you know, we're a melting pot. It's like the ultimate race card being pulled for everything. Yeah. And, and us as a country, we're like a melting pot. Yeah. We, we try, we've been for decades trying to remove race as like a barrier. Yeah. Like we're breaking down the racial barrier, making it to where everyone's equal under the law. We did a really good job at it. We have been doing a really good job. And now these people with this like fundamentally Marxist idea of oppressor and oppressed Coming in and getting people to hate each other based on skin color again, and I hate it. Yeah, it's terrible. We, yeah, seriously. And um, it really does not make anything right in the end, you know? Like, hate does not... Well, yeah, P- 
past discrimination cannot be solved by present discrimination. No. Two wrongs don't make a right. You said that yes. earlier before we were on air. I did that. Um, <laughs> it's really just kind of sad, though, that we're reverting back to like the 50s, essentially, because well, yeah. it's just becoming more and more racist again. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because like my whole life... And the My, uh, civil rights laws that they're getting rid of. Yeah, they're tr- yes. In California, I think we talked about that a while ago. Yeah, on a I previous think maybe episode, like first or second yeah. episode. But since we're doing a lot better this episode, let's just reiterate real quick. California wants to repeal civil rights law and make segregation legal again. So <laughs> for all of you uh, go, Californians Democrats. out there, vote in some better people. <laughs> Very progressive. Yeah, ultra progressive. <laughs> Beyond progressive, regressive, in my opinion. So progressive, it's regressive. Yes, it's it like it turned inside out. The beast has revealed itself. <laughs> but and like an interesting thing though is that my whole life I was raised to be like you know you you don't solve problems by like making more problems. You you can't truly solve an issue right. by causing another issue because. If you start going around like these people want, they want to take, in the words of Larry Elder, what reparations is essentially is it's taking things away from people who are never slave owners to give them to people who were never slaves. Mm -hmm. And I think we can agree that minority communities do have a problem right now and we can help rebuild them by, you know, I think the way forward is like you lower taxes, bring small businesses back. Yes. Bring back opportunity. Make it easier for them to build small businesses in yeah. their community. Yes. Bring opportunity back. Don't Dude. take opportunity from other people. Right. But we've all driven through the areas before downtown where you see where there used to be a bustling community, you know, with all these um, for lease buildings. You know, there's all these um, empty Shop, yeah. storefronts just deteriorating and it's sad to see because there used to be local shops for everything and yeah. it's when i was a kid my yeah. dad took me to a mall we always shopped local right and then I, I like we went out to um we went downtown all the time to go to local stores and now if i go down to the same streets i i don't see those stores anymore i mean no. but to just be because fair, of the convenience of the corporate stores like walmart meyer target you know, Circuit City, places that have everything you need. But to be fair, to be fair, we have seen a little bit of a resurgence in local businesses. Yeah, before COVID. Yeah, it's not as quite as good as it used to be, but they did come back. We saw a bunch of them close down again yeah. because of what you just said, COVID. And these lockdowns in Democrat-run states they are- need to stop. They're doing way more damage to minority communities, especially because the Walmart's not going to shut down because of COVID. No, never. But you know who is going to shut down is going the to- The local mom and pop place down the road that, you know, actually contributes to the to the community. Exactly. To the local community, you know? And then when that shop's gone, jobs are gone. So in minority communities where these local mom and pop, pop shops have been shut down for months in some states- Right. They're losing their jobs- and now that minority community, or even impoverished, I mean, you have, there are, frankly, white trash communities out there, too. <laughs> Any right. impoverished community that loses jobs just puts them further behind. And Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. And to be honest, like, 
the lockdowns have done more damage to small businesses than any recession we've had, <laughs> you know? And, like, don't get me wrong. I think at first it was right to quarantine and kind of get everybody yeah, so- kind of further away from each other and to recognize the um, deadliness of the virus. But to push it out and prolong it as long as it's been prolonged and pushed out when we know what works and what doesn't already is just pointless. Yeah, we were originally told two weeks to slow the spread. Happy yeah. – didn't, didn't we celebrate the six-month anniversary of that? <laughs> yeah, pretty recently. <laughs> And the the funny thing about that is that like like yeah I agree I mean don't man, forget to stock up on toilet paper yeah and I always think that <laughs> freedom is more important than security but I do think it could be reasonable to maybe do like a really short term thing little thing like a, like the two week lockdown we were told see I think the whole I think the whole trade for freedom and security is is bullshit because freedom yeah. is security. Well, freedom gives you per- – you have the personal responsibility to control your security. Right. You right. can be as secure as you want in a free But think society. of it like this. If we had less strict gun laws and um, if there's – like let's say your neighborhood, right, is really close to one another. And um, let's hypothetically say someone's breaking into the old lady's house across the road from you, right? And um, everybody's – you know, like let's say a couple neighbors see it. Right, to call the police and to have them take care of it is a good thing, right? But if you could like kind of help, like, well, and, freely without and, being charged. And there's a really interesting like shirt. having the freedom to go and help them. Yeah, you know what I mean, especially when they're helping. Which we individual. do under the law. Which unfortunately we're seeing self-defense laws be eroded by yeah. by people convicting or trying to convict. People defending themselves and other people. Right. And that's crazy to me because in my opinion. That's why I'm saying any, freedom is security. All bullets are faster than a 911 call. Yes. Like it. And look, I do think that if you can hold out and like stay safe, the cops should always handle every situation that they can get to. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you need the ability to defend yourself. Well, like in, in a lot of rural communities, that's how it is. They rely on, like, each other to yeah. help each other out in situations like that. Because, you know, like I was saying, like how we were talking about, in poorer communities, there are more crimes. There are more drug issues, you know. Like, yeah. there's always that weirdo out in the country, like, cooking meth, right? And if they're attacking someone who they think could be, like, a com- competition or something, or and they're just, like... Just like a couple of kids living in a house, or like a teenage, like or like an old person, these people are harassing them. It it is more doable as a community to step in than to call nine one one, then wait an hour and a half for a sheriff to show up. If you're not, yeah, by and, any sort of like police station. And so, just as a disclaimer, before I talk about this, this was like a few years ago. I I wrote a paper back like a in college watch. that. From what I read a while ago, again, I'm, I'll am i fact check this, take it with a grain of salt, do your own research, but from what I read, in states where there's more free gun laws, there is a lower violent crime rate. Absolutely. And I think that's it's pretty easy to see why. If you're a criminal, you don't want to get shot. Right. But if you're in like one of those cities, like say Chicago, 
mm-hmm. where they're super strict on guns. Right. Like they're so strict on guns. Most people don't have them. Like you're going to feel way more secure robbing someone if you think no one has a gun. Right. You know, and that's that's why America hasn't had any domestic invasions because the whole world knows America's packing. Yeah, there's more guns than people in this country. Exactly. And I think that's beautiful. Amer- yes, America <laughs> is its own army. Like, that's why I'm saying freedom is security. Yeah. You know, our but, our citizens aren't disarmed. <laughs> but but again, just to, so we don't... A lot of... So, so we don't dodge our original point, though. We were mm-hmm. talking about the lockdowns. Yeah. Which is unrelated to gun laws. But... So, like, what I was saying earlier is, I think, like, if if you are expecting the hospitals to be overloaded and you can save thousands of lives by maybe just delaying the spread a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. But we didn't do that. We- another thing about the lockdowns that really bugged me is um, all the arbitrary limitations on businesses on how long they can run their business. Yeah. So, like, the... Um, like well, in the state of Ohio the, right in the, now. Yeah, in the state of Ohio, bars and restaurants have to close at 10 p.m. Well, because, they don't have to close, but they can't sell alcohol. So they, they end up closing. They can't sell food or alcohol after yeah. 10 p.m. Like restaurants, dine-in restaurants, and bars have to close at 10. Yeah, so they – yeah. Have to. They have state to. State law. As of right now, under – Oh, so that's why we got the our... government's orders. Yeah, that's why you see bars getting like their liquor license takes, taken away because they serve somebody – after 10 or they weren't closed at 10 and a really good point i hear going around too is like so it's a well-known i don't know where this rhetoric is coming from but just just to frame this real mm-hmm. quick i've heard people say that covid we can't get herd immunity to i'm calling bs on that because the immune system is a glorious thing it is and when you get a disease you become immune to it and i don't think covid's any different Right. I don't think there's any research to back up the claim that we can't get herd immunity. It's a virus just like the flu and, you know. Yeah, and herd immunity is not a good strategy to save lives because it inevitably leads to people getting sick. But the thing is, is if we lock down perpetually, six months later after the lockdown, just as many people are immune to the virus as they were before. So the older people aren't any more protected. No. We're just delaying it. And hurting the economy while we're at it. Yeah. So it just absolutely. causes more suffering. But again, like to slow it down just to make sure hospitals aren't overwhelmed is different. Right, right. But like the thing is, I don't think we should be we should be having like time limits on everything because like with the thing is with twenty four seven um, things being open like stores and gyms. Well, yeah, I think that's all bullshit. It's easier to spread people out over 24 hours than 12 hours. Yeah, because now everyone, they're just going to go into the bars earlier all together. Yeah. It's not being spread out. It's being more compact. And I think that's backwards mentality. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, baseless. It's baseless ideas. Well, think of it. Like, people like me who like to work out at like three or four in the morning before, yeah, me too. before the morning people show up and after the night people, you know, where you have the whole place to yourself is now forcing me to work out with the rush of the crowd. Yeah. I mean, we went to planet fitness that one time and there's everyone was there. Everybody. It was packed. It was, it yeah. was scarcely a free machine. Mm-hmm. Was it like that before COVID? No, no. And, but like, even that being said, there was rarely a free machine because half the machines are set aside for social fitnessing, quote unquote, <laughs> you know, so half the machines are not usable. <laughs> and then just 
just one more really important point thing about COVID. Yeah. If you are a healthy young adult, even like, like teenager, even even middle-aged people that are in good health, yeah. you are at such a low risk of getting seriously ill. Much lower risk, especially if you're active in your day and age. You know, I know my grandpa, he's in his 60s and he still works every day. You know, he has a way better immune system than somebody who's retired and sitting at their house all day, eating food, drinking, Yeah. you know. Let healthy people take responsibility for their own safety. Right. If you want to go rock climbing without climbing gear, do it. You know, you're taking a risk. Do it. If you. It's your life. Live it how you want. If you're afraid of COVID and you don't want to risk getting sick because to be fair, some younger people have gotten seriously ill and died. Yeah. Then don't go out. Take make that your responsibility. Make don't that put your it, prerogative. Not everybody else. Yeah. Don't take other people's freedoms away. Me, I'm gonna go out and enjoy my life. Right. But yeah, I, I think, I think that's about it. Yeah. So. Thank you guys for turn, tuning into the KA podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, give us a like, follow, subscribe. Yes, please definitely give us a like. Um, we're keeping it American here, as should you. Yep. Just here promoting some good old American ideals, even though we disagree slightly. That's all right. Yep. We that's can, that's the point of good discourse. We can agree without being dis. I mean, we could disagree without being disagreeable. Exactly. All right. Have a good day, everyone.